of Isaiah chapter number 40. This is a superb Sunday night crowd. We thank the Lord for each of you that are here. And uh, it is not every day, and we can't make too much about it, that a church marks uh, an anniversary. Nor is it every day that a church marks a 21st anniversary. And so I would be remiss if I did not take a moment and again commend and congratulate Brother and Sister Mark O'Donnell, the O'Donnell family, and the church family of the uh, community Baptist Temple for this great milestone of ministry. Uh, I salute you, and I so appreciate the stand and spirit and stanima that it takes uh, to have this kind of an anniversary. I was speaking uh, to Mrs. Hamlin. I think she's watching by way of Internet. She was a little bit under the weather today. So, babe, I want you to take an offering and give it to me. <laughs> but uh, I spoke to her on the phone since I've been here, and uh, she said, now remind me, what, what anniversary is it that you're preaching? And I said, well, it is the 21st anniversary of the Community Baptist Temple. She laughed and said, well, at least they're legal. <laughs> so congratulations on being legal. I don't know where she gets stuff like that, but it must be the influence of someone in her life. I enjoyed the choir as they've sung, and the special music has been such a blessing, and uh, I have enjoyed every second in being here. I have a special announcement that I'll make after I preach tonight, and so you'll want to stay not just for the sermon, but the special announcement as well. Book of Isaiah, chapter number 40. And I'll take but one verse of Scripture for our text, and it will be verse number 31. Isaiah chapter number 40 and verse number 31. And I would invite you to stand with me as I read the Word of God. I have a dear lady in the service tonight. Mrs. Harris, where are you? Uh, would you please wave at me, Mrs. Harris? Uh, all right, there's another. Mrs. Hayes, I'm sorry, Mrs. Hayes. God bless you, sis. Good to see you. She came to hear me preach tonight. I was preaching a conference in her son's church uh, two weeks ago, and her son uh, got her here. I'm sorry? Flat Rock, Michigan. And she came to hear me preach tonight. Let's give her a warm hand. What do you say? God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. Appreciate you being in the service, and uh, you honored us by being here tonight. Isaiah chapter number 40 and one verse of Scripture for our text, and it will be verse number 31. The 31st verse of the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. Let me say that as a preacher, there are certain verses and there are certain uh, chapters uh, that as a preacher, you just uh, long to preach from. Uh, I could line out that list and every preacher that is in the service tonight and every preacher that uh, will hear this by CD or maybe because of a different time zone is watching by way of Internet would quickly agree with that statement. There are scriptures and there are chapters in the Bible that you just absolutely long to preach from. Now, as a preacher, you never want to force it. You want God to feed you with something that you might be able to feed others with that same truth. I don't know if you know this or not, but as a preacher, we just don't uh, close our eyes, flip through the Bible, stick our finger on a verse and say, well, you know what, I think I'll preach that. If truth is going to change you, it has to change me first. If truth is going to challenge you, it has to challenge me 
first. Now, this is not a preaching class, but that is the way it works. And for the longest time, I had longed and had loved to preach from this passage. But it wasn't until right recently that God gave me this truth that I'm going to try to drop and deposit in each and every one of our hearts. And I'm praying that it will be, if you will, Brother O'Donnell, a catalyst to help this great church uh, to go to the next level for the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. For a few moments, I want to speak to you on the subject tonight, getting to the next level for God. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this privilege to stand behind a sacred desk to preach the Word of God. If I know my heart, I want to be a blessing. But the only way that I can be is if you hide me behind the cross and fill me with the Spirit. Place a hedge around this great church by the blood of Christ to keep the devil and his demons from hindering this service. Save the sinner and stir the saint. Heavenly Father, for all that you'll do in our midst and even in our hearts tonight, we will be careful to give you all the praise and honor and glory. Bless and protect my precious family as I am away. Give us fresh warm bread from the oven of heaven to feed from tonight. And Lord, I'd request, oh, how I would request that you'd clothe me in my calling. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. And you may be seated. In every field, walk of life and profession, an individual finds the call and challenge to elevate their enterprise. Sadly, this same drive is missing among our fundamental Christians, even in our fundamental churches. If a coach, chief executive officer, or candidate can wave the banner which reads upward, upward, and upward, then certainly a Bible preacher can do the same for right and righteousness. Getting to the next level for God. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, we find one of the most prominent verses on the pages of the Old Testament. A person would be hard-pressed to discover another scripture that has made it to more cups, Bible covers, plaques, flags, or jewelry than this single scripture. This chapter could be easily or effortlessly outlined like this. An introduction to the God of Israel, verses 1 through 26. And then an invitation by the God of Israel, verses 27 through 31. 
It is well the prophet Isaiah is dealing under the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit with an invitation by the God of Israel that an individual learns how a Christian or church or even a college can take their stride or their service to a higher plateau for the glory world. Verse 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Here are 33 words that can take any saint from the basement to the balcony, from the launching pad to the planets, and from the substitute to the starter. Never forget, you will climb as high and as far for God as you want, will, and work. Now, if you miss everything that I preach tonight, I pray that you not miss that. And it even bears repeating, you, 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 and that's including me as well, will climb as high and as far for God as you want, will, and work. Friend, you and I, those of us that are saved, should take this truth and use it to get to another table land. Now, wherever we are tonight, individually, or wherever we are tonight, collectively, it is God's desire, and it ought to be God's child's drive uh, to go higher and higher and higher. I, I don't want to spend my spiritual life on one level. I don't want to spend my walk with God on one plateau. I, I don't want to spend my spiritual sojourn uh, just uh, at one tableland. But I want every day and in every way to go higher to go higher, to go higher for God in good. And I believe if I could speak for you tonight, you want that as well. Why, you wouldn't be in this service if you didn't have that as your longing and love as well. And here is a single scripture that if you and I will hear and you and I will heed its truth, we can go higher and higher and higher for God and good. It was Dr. Bob Jones Sr. who once said, don't be mediocre. And what he was saying by that single statement is that you and I, as the people of God, should absolutely uh, determine uh, and decide uh, that we're going to go higher and higher and higher for God. Quickly, let me give you from this verse 418 things. I just wanted to see who was listening. I said 418 things and some of you took out a hymn book and started to slit your wrist with hymn book pages. But quickly, quickly let me give you tonight three facets from this gem of truth that will guide the child of God to another level for God. And they're all found within the first word and the last word of Isaiah 40, 31. Getting to the next level for God. Number one, the expectancy. Verse 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength a facet in the gem of truth that will guide the child of God to another level for God is 
the expectancy. In verse 31, the prophet Isaiah tells us that there is an anticipation with those who climb higher for God and good. A person must note here that in this notable phrase, uh, probability and power are interrelated. In other words, if one is not willing to be patient, then they shouldn't be surprised that the power doesn't come. Andrew Murray once said, If you are to wait all right upon the Lord, you must learn to know Him. You must turn away your thoughts and eyes and heart and trust from everything and set them upon God alone. The unknown poet put it like this, Wait on the Lord, not so in haste my heart, have faith in God and wait. Although he linger long, he never comes too late. He never comes too late. He knoweth what is best. Vex not thyself in vain until he cometh rest. Until he cometh rest, nor grudge the hours that roll. The feet that wait for God are soonest at the goal. Friend, you and I can get to the next level for God by the expectancy. The Bible says in Psalm 62, 5, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. Well, waiting on God is the perfect time to start a new bus route. Begin reading more of your Bible. At another special time, of secret prayer and step up uh, your personal soul winning. So many times we think that waiting on God means that we put our Christian life on pause. It does not mean that we put our Christian life on pause. If we're waiting on God, we put our Christian life on push. Uh, mark it down and mark it well. No spiritual hobo ever goes far or ever goes high for God. So waiting on God doesn't mean that we're pausing our Christian life. Waiting on God means we're pushing our Christian life. Oh, if I'm going to get to the next level, and if you're going to get to the next level, and if all of us are going to get to the next level, then we're going to have to have the expectancy. Dr. Arthur Pearson once told of being alone in the study of that great man of faith and achievement, George Mueller, thinking it would be a good time to look at the great man's Bible. He opened it and was thumbing through its pages when he came to a verse in Psalms where it reads, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Psalm 37 23. Opposite, on the margin, Mueller had made this notation, and the stops too. Hey, believer, no stop time, no stop time, no stop time is wasted if you're waiting on God and wanting Him uh, to help us go a little bit higher for Him. Oh, how do we get to the next level for God? There has to be the expectancy. Number two, let me hasten. Not only the expectancy... And I know I'm going to get stuck here, but number two, the elevation. 
still in verse number 31, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. A facet in this general truth that will guide the child of God to another level for God is the elevation. In verse 31, the prophet Isaiah tells us that there is an altitude with those who climb higher for God and good. The fact that God uses an eagle and not a hummingbird forever drives the point home to the heart. No one gets to the high places by buzzing around spiritual flowers, tree sap, and social feeders. Let me just say in passing, the eagles never flock. Eagles fly alone. Hello? Eagles never flock, but eagles fly alone. And here God gives the example, and here God gives the exhortation that if we are going to get to the next level, if we're going to climb higher and farther for God, There has to be that elevation, and he gives us there uh, a type. He gives us there a representation. He gives us there a picture, and the picture is of an eagle, and an eagle, excuse me, is a loner. You don't get higher for God as a crowd until you get higher for God as a Christian. In other words, if I'm going to get higher for God, Brother O'Donnell, I love you and you're one of my dearest friends, but I can't ride on your coattails, sir. If I'm going to get higher for God, as high as you go, I've got to go high too. You see, you can't ride on my coattails. I can't ride on your coattails. But we ought to use one another as encouragement to there have, and this is better than you're letting on, than to have an elevation and climbing higher for God and good. Most of your Christian life, if it's really going to matter, is going to be spent alone. Now, I'm not talking about being a hermit. I'm not, I'm not talking about uh, joining a, a, a monastery where you there uh, have a violence or, or have a vow uh, of silence, though there are some church gossips that I would, under God, wish they'd take that vow. <laughs> That's not exactly what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is if you and I are going to get to the next level for God, uh, then there has to be an an intimacy. uh, There has to be an immediate decision that we're going to be alone with God because, again, hey, I I didn't write it. I I just recite it. uh, And God gives us the picture of a bird that is a loner. I wonder when I come back, who's going to get a little higher for God? I wonder when I return, who's going to take it to the next level? I wonder when my uh, calendar and an invitation comes that I might return permits me. I wonder who it is going to be in this service tonight that will go a little bit higher for God and will help this church to go a little bit higher for God by their example. There is a reason that I slip in just under the wire before I preach. I am not antisocial. I am a people person, but I have a message on my heart. And for me to deliver that message means I can't be slapping backs and shaking hands and just talking. That's lonely. It's by yourself. That's a little bit 
held back, a little bit reserved. But there's a reason for that because God gives us the example. And it's right here in the Bible. It's an eagle. And an eagle never flocks, but an eagle flies. Oh, I wish you'd help me preach tonight. An eagle flies alone. And if we're going to get to the next level for God, there has to be the elevation. Now, when preparing this message, there are several necessary spots that the saint has to visit to be favored by heaven. First of all, to there be visited by heaven, there's that favored spot of the shadow place. Acts 6, 5, And the saint pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. A necessary spot that the saint has to visit, rather, to be favored by heaven is the shadow place. Listen, in God's economy, you never get the title until you've done the task when you thought nobody took the time to notice you doing the task. Don't make me say that again. You see, there are a lot of people that want this responsibility and that responsibility that have not learned that it's in the dark that characters developed. You see, not only film, but characters developed in the dark. And so for you and I to get to the next level, for you and I to have that elevation for you and I to be favored, uh, then there has to come the time uh, where sometime we understand that we have to be in the shadow place. Uh, uh, listen, you say, well, I'd serve God uh, if, I had, if I had this responsibility and if I had that responsibility. No, sir, no, ma'am. You wouldn't serve God if you had this responsibility or that responsibility because you're not serving God now. And if you don't serve God in what you think is a small place breaking news, you'll never serve God in what you think is a large place. Because really, truth be told, it is the small place that with God is the large place, and it's the small place that gets you to the large place. As I crisscross this country all the time, I will have young preachers say to me, boy, I wish I was evangelist. First of all, it starts with an E and not a V. I think I'd learn how to pronounce something before I said I wanted to be something. And Brother Wetzel, what they're really saying is, I want a monogram shirt. What they re- Can I go ahead and roll a grenade called preach under a pew or two? Can I do that? What, they, what they're really saying is, I want a sermon in the sword of the Lord. But what they're really saying is, boy, I'd, I'd like to serve on this board and I'd like to serve on that board. I remember, Brother O'Donnell, when I was a young preacher, I thought, man, it'd be the coolest thing to serve on fundamental boards. Now I serve on a bunch of them and I understand why they're called boards because most of the time you're bored <laughs> while you're sitting on them. 
And there's one in particular, the sword of the Lord. Man, I'm honored uh, to be on that one, and I'm not throwing off on that one. But, but you know what I'm trying to say tonight. Uh, I remember as a young preacher, I thought, man, if I could get on that board, and if I could get on the other board, you know what? The longer I'm at this, the more I realize that it's that shadow place. It's that shadow place. It's that shadow place that is absolutely so imperative for you and I to be favored by heaven. I was preaching for a preacher friend of mine not all that long ago. We were on the platform together. The song service was going on and he kept pushing out his left hand. He kept pushing out his left hand. He kept pushing out his left hand. Finally, I noted that his shirt was monogrammed. I said, my brother, your shirt is monogrammed. Oh, he smiled like a jack-o'-lantern on Halloween night. He said, yes, sir, it is. He said, just like you. I said, no, sir, not just like me because my monogram is a true monogram. Those are not your initials. He said, I know they're not, but my wife got the shirt at the art sale and I thought it was still like you. I didn't have the heart to tell him it's important that it's your own monogram on your sleeve. The shadow place. Secondly, I've got to hasten, and it's similar, but it's still different. The secret place. Second Kings 4.33, he went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain, and he prayed unto the Lord. A necessary spot for the saint has to visit and be favored by heaven is the secret place. It is not what the child of God does in public, but what they do in private that determines how high they will go with God. Choir, this morning blessed our hearts. And the choir tonight blessed our hearts. And the special music this morning blessed our hearts. And the special music tonight blessed our hearts. And I'll tell you why it blessed our hearts. It blessed our hearts because that choir, before they hit the platform this morning, were in their Bible. And before the special music hit the platform this morning, they had prayed. And before the choir hit the platform, choir say amen, I'm bragging on you. I'm going to burn you in a minute, but I'm bragging on you now, so you might as well enjoy it. Before they hit that platform, before they hit that platform tonight, they'd been in their Bible. That special music, before they hit the platform tonight, they had been in the Bible. And friend, you and I had better decide and had better determine uh, that if we're going to be favored by heaven, it is that secret place. Uh, again, did I mention that God uses an eagle and an eagle uh, is not uh, a company bird. An eagle is a lunar bird. The secret place. And then thirdly, the suffering place. Job, Job 2, 7, So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot um, under his crown. Oh, a necessary spot that the saint has to visit to be favored by heaven is the suffering place. Uh, no one arrives at the pinnacle place who has tried to sidestep the painful place. Now let's just go ahead and be real transparent. Nobody enjoys suffering. Nobody does. But suffering is necessary if you and I are going to go to the next level. How do anybody who when suffering comes says, Hallelujah, suffering's here. Not any honest person. But let's be very transparent. That suffering 
There's something about it. The crucible of suffering. There's something about it that God uses to want to make me better and not want to make me bitter. I look back at my Christian life nearly 36 years and man, there's some spots that I remember going through thinking to myself, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And God has taken those worst things and has made them some of the best things that could have ever happened to me. I mean, you think about it for a moment. Every time your heart breaks in a thousand pieces, think about it. You go to the Bible and you go to a verse that was penned by someone whose heart was broken in a thousand pieces as well. Every single scripture we go to. When we need a verse of encouragement, every none excluded, every single verse of Scripture we go to uh, for encouragement was written by someone who went through a very discouraging time. While you think about our hymn book, and I didn't stutter, hymn book. The reason they're called hymns is because they're all about him. Like it, lump it, bump it, jump it. I'm a little bit bothered. I'm a little bit bugged uh, in the drift that's going on and getting away from hymns. Friend fundamentalists sang hymns uh, like we sang in the men's conference, like we sang this morning, like we sang uh, tonight. Uh, uh, thank God for a chorus here and there. I'm not against all choruses, but I think you know what I'm saying. If you're not, come to the book table, drop a hundred dollars, buy everything on the table and you will figure out what I'm saying. But friend, listen, hey, I like the hymns and you sing them here and that's why one of the things God's blessed through the years. But you go to the hymn book and you look at the hymns that we go to when our heart is broken in a hundred pieces and every single time they were written by those whose heart was broken in a hundred pieces as well. Sometimes corporately when a church goes through a low valley or goes through a fierce storm, sometimes there's the tendency of saying, why us? Instead of saying, why not us, that we might help someone else. I've not had a whole lot of time with the preacher because the men's conference has been busy uh, and today's been busy and uh, he's uh, got a lot of things on his plate and I got two or three things on my plate. But I realize and we have not conversed, that I'm sure that not everything is going smoothly for the new building. I'm, I'm sure of that. I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I'm sure that's the case. But Community Baptist Temple, I believe that maybe if things haven't gone as smoothly as you planned or had purported, that all God is doing is taking you through some things that you might help others when they go through that same thing. Amen. Hello? And so our question should not be, why us? But why not us? And then taking that and using it to help others down the road. I very rarely mention it, and you'll understand why in a moment. I only do it when God really, really, really presses me to. But 27 years ago, back in January... 27 years ago, back in January, my mother-in-law and brother-in-law were killed in a tragic automobile accident. My mother-in-law was taking my brother-in-law to school. He was a student at the inner-city Christian high school. They were not even a mile from their home. 
when they hit black ice, my mother-in-law, bless her heart, lost control of the vehicle, went into incoming, incoming traffic. And they believed that instantly both their lives were taken. Brother Donald, I don't ever mention that much. But I tell it to say this. I remember at the funeral. Now think about it. We didn't, we didn't pick out as a family one casket. We picked out two. As a family, we did not take one set of clothes for our loved one to be viewed in. We took two sets of clothes. As a family, we did not have to arrange for one funeral, but we had to arrange for two funerals. Uh, they both had the same funeral, uh, but uh, two uh, in a home-going service. And I remember as we stood at the casket on that first night, a visitation, Brother O'Donnell Sr., I remember a preacher that, uh, that uh, I preached for then and still preach for now, pulled me close, and he whispered in my ears, I stood at two caskets, and he said, Brother Hamlin, if you'll lift this, God will use it to make you a better Christian and a better preacher. I don't know if I've allowed God to do that or not, but I sure hope I have. And friend, there are things that you and I go through that are not enjoyable, but they are extremely educational. And if we're going to go to the next level for God, we can't push away from these things. We can't run from these things. We can't step aside from these things. But we must embrace these things because it's these things that God wants to use to get us to the next elevation. Dear lady came to the book table this morning. She may be in this service, I don't know, and I wouldn't embarrass her for this auditorium filled with $100 bills. But she said, you know, Dr. Hamlin, she went through a list of things that she had experienced in her family since the first of the year. And she said, it's been a hard year. But I thought to myself, she's in church. She said a difficult thing, and she ran a litany of things that would be enough to make a stone weep. But I thought, you're in the house of God. And sis, whether you realize or not, somebody's watching you. And somebody's drawing strength from you. And somebody's being helped by you. And someone's being blessed by you. You say, not me, nobody. Nobody knows anything about me. That's where you're mistaken. Because God doesn't do things to us. God does things for us. And what God does for us is to help somebody else in the very same scenario or situation. Oh, that every, every, every believer that was in this service would realize that the spots that they must visit to be favored by heaven are the shadow place, the secret place, and the suffering place. On February 14th, 1884, February 14th, 1884, future President Theodore Roosevelt, wife, and mother die only hours apart. Roosevelt was at work in the New York State Legislature attempting to get a government reform bill passed when he was summoned home by his family. He returned home to find his mother had succumbed to typhoid fever on the same day his wife of four years, Alice Lee, died of Bright's disease, a severe kidney ailment. Only two days before her death, Alice Lee had given birth to the couple's daughter daughter Alice the double tragedy devastated Roosevelt he put in his diary on that day an entry of a large black X and then the words beneath it the light 
has gone out of my life. He would go on years later to become the president of the United States in 1901. Listen, as a result of President William McKinley's death. Isn't that interesting? He experienced on one day uh, the death of his mother and the death of his wife. And what was it uh, that carried him to the White House? What was the occasion? It was the death of the president. One of his favorite sayings was, black care rarely sits behind a rider whose pace is fast enough all steps, even to the White House, which call a person higher and higher and higher, have the dark, uh, foreboding shadow of sadness fall across them. Oh, if I'm going to get to the next level for God, and you're going to get to the next level for God, there has to be the elevation. And then number three, and last of all, not only the expectancy and the elevation, But number three, and last of all, the endurance. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. A facet in this gem of truth that will guide the child of God to another level for God is the endurance. In verse 31, the prophet Isaiah tells us that there is an ability to deal with adversity with those who climb higher for God and good. Both means of movement by human body are covered in this part of Scripture. Don't miss it. There's run and there's walk. Can I go ahead and preach? I know some Christians that are really good at running but they're not good at walking. And then I know some Christians that are really good at walking, but they're not good at running. Here, both means of human movement are covered. Walking and running, running and walking, and when you and I get to the next level for God, oh my, it doesn't matter what God calls us to do. Whether it be walking, we walk. Whether it be running, we run. Whatever the assignment, there is always there the attention to be able uh, to achieve in that assignment. My personal devotions I've been reading Oswell Chambers, my utmost for his highest. And it's a kind of devotion where almost every page, Brother O'Donnell, I don't know if you've read it or not, but almost every page is an old-fashioned altar. Oswell Chambers has the ability to take the sword of the Spirit when you have your devotions and absolutely uh, cut, uh, cut your head off, spiritually speaking, at your ankles. Very convicting. And I read recently, and I, I'd never thought about it before, and I've really never heard any other preacher address it, but Oswell Chambers made this interesting statement. He said, we think that God makes us overcomers and we overcome. But Oswell Chambers contended, we overcome, and then God blesses us as overcomers. I think there are a lot of Christians that are just waiting around For God to give them power, when God would give them power if they stopped waiting around, waiting around. 
I think there's a lot of Christians, if I can go ahead and ratchet it down just a little bit, not too much to affect the love offering, say amen right there, but if I can ratchet it down just a little bit, I think there's a lot of Christians that are, are waiting at the edge of a storm knowing that they have to go through and they want God to hold their hand. Breaking news, He's going to hold your hand, take the step. He's not going to drag you into it. He's going to be there. He's going to hold your hand. He's going to take you through it. But good night in the morning, there ought to be some faith on my part and faith on your part. And there ought to be some fortitude on my part and some fortitude on your part. And Oswell Chambers there contended that those that are overcomers overcome and then they become overcomers. We live in such a sissy day. Such a sissy day. I mean, just look at the average young preacher. Skinny jeans. Really? Skinny jeans? Let me say something to you. There'll come a day when Father Time's going to body slam you and the days of skinny jeans will be over. We live in such a day of sissies. That's too strong for you. How about infeminate individuals? Thus translated, sissies. And I mean, we want God to do everything for us. We, we want God to do everything for us. Friend, there's some things that, yes, hallelujah, God will do for us. But on the heels of that, let me say, there's some other things that God's not going to do for me or for you or for anybody else until we take that step and have steadfastness in our service. How do we get to the next level for God? Well, there has to be that, that expectancy. There has to be that elevation. And then there has to be that endurance. Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said, Be it yours in mind to outstrip the energy of this world and so to run in our master's ways as to prove that the servants of Christ can render him more loyal and devoted service than the princes win from their favorites and flatterers. Friend, you and I can get to the next level for God by the endurance. The Bible says in Isaiah 40 and 29, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. Amen. It shouldn't surprise anyone that those in both the natural and supernatural world are remembered for playing on a higher plane and are also revered for their perseverance. I'm closing with this. On a weary day on October 21st, 1879, after 13 months, a year and a month, 13 months of repeated failures, Thomas A. Edison succeeded in his search for a filament 
that would stand the stress of electric current. This is how it happened. Casually picking up a bit of lamp black, he mixed it with tar and rolled it into a thin thread. Then the thought occurred, why not try a carbonized cotton fiber? For five hours he worked, but it broke before he could remove the mold. Two spools of thread were used up. At last a perfect strand emerged, only to be ruined when trying to place it in a glass tube. Edison refused to admit defeat. He continued without sleep for two days and nights. Finally, he managed to slip one of the carbonized threads on the current. He said, the sight we had so long desired to see finally met our eyes. Thomas A. Edison's persistence. Amidst such discouraging odds, has given the world the wonderful electric light. And here's the thing, not a single one of us thought about that today. Not a single one of us. We started our day and stumbled into that restroom or stumbled into that kitchen and we flipped the light. We didn't even think about the perseverance that gives us power. And whether it is in the natural world or in the supernatural world, those who play, if you will, on a higher plane are always remembered and revered for their perseverance. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. This will work for a church.